It's Tuesday, October 27th, and this is The Fit Show. What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here. This is The Pit Show, where I, your host, just sit down and talk about whatever's been on my mind. And, oh, man, we got we got a good one tonight. Well, today, I don't know, whenever you're listening to this, I'm recording it at night. It's, it's Monday for me, so this will be out on Tuesday. But let's jump into this. So, oh, man, I, I don't even know how to say this, but... I think I'm done with productivity <laughs> as a whole. Uh, I, I was joking on my, uh, Twitter description there uh, at the end. It says anti productivity guru. And, and I kind of mean that I, I've come to a point now where I think that there's value in not overthinking it. Honestly, I just want to do stuff. I want to have fun doing it, and I want to not get caught up in the how important it is that I do it with 100% efficiency. Now, I know for some people, they're kind of like, well, duh. And other people are like, but, but, but with, with, with this app, you know, you just need a different app. You just need a new thing. And and to be honest, I don't. I love my bullet journals. I love bullet journaling. I love writing down. There are certain rituals that I do in bullet journaling that calm me down and make me feel better, that are slower, that are less efficient than the productive way. And in all honesty, there's really something about that that's just amazing. Because, all right, let me, let me, let me just jump into it. I'll tell you a story today. Okay. So, uh, I think I've mentioned it on the show before. If I haven't, I'm sorry, but oh, well, I'm telling you now when I was a young warthog, uh, if you know where that's from, shout out to all of my millennials. Uh, but no, when I was, when I was first getting started in my productivity journey, as Mr. Productivity in Tech, which by the way, I'm keeping the domain. That's my brand. I love my brand. But when I started Productivity in Tech some several years ago, I was all about wanting to be as productive as physically possible. And I found a tool that allowed me to do it. It was Todoist. In fact, I used Todoist for several years and I didn't understand how anybody that was not using Todoist ever got anything done. I was a grandmaster of Todoist, literally grandmaster. That was the the rating that I had achieved. And I, I dreamt of the day where I would reach full enlightenment, which is, again, another rank that means absolutely nothing. No one's cutting me a check once I hit that. But here's the thing. I spent so much time gardening this this pristine system that I, it became the, the biggest task 
that I had on a regular basis was check to do this, check to do this, check to do this, do this, do that, do this, do that. Like make sure you're, make sure you're completing your tasks, whether you're micro tasking or just doing your big three or whatever it was you were doing, just make sure you get it done. Never let your daily goals go unmet. Come up with things to do to meet your daily goal or, or dare I say, even adjust your daily goal. The same way that people do with their Apple Watch rings. When you, you're going to be a little short, just, just lower, your, lower your expectations. You'll, you'll be all right. So long story short, eventually I noticed that I wasn't getting as much done as I'd want to. I was still checking the boxes, but things just weren't working. So I was like, well, it's not my fault, obviously. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's Todoist's fault. You know, at the time, they, they hadn't really done anything new in a while. They were focusing more on the collaborative features, and I was using it for me and no one else, so I didn't really need the collaborative features. So maybe I needed a change. Then I met Things. Things was a lot like Todoist, but it was different. It felt different. It was new. It was like, it was like when you get out of one relationship and then you jump into another one and that, that new relationship feels like the old relationship did when you first started it. I was smitten. It looked beautiful. I had friends of mine telling me, oh, I've used Things for years. It's the best thing ever. No pun intended. And then I used Things and it was working. Until it didn't. And then when it didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I did what any other person would do. I went back to the old thing. I went back to Todoist and started doing that. And in the meantime, I would always pull out a notebook and say, I'm going to do bullet journaling and stick with bullet journaling and make that work until it doesn't. And then when it doesn't, I'm going to move it all into Todoist and figure it out. You know, it was weird because at the end of the day, I just kept jumping back and forth. Todoist, things, Todoist, things three, sorted two, sorted three, OmniFocus, OmniPlanner, Tick Tick, To Do. Pretty sure I've had them all. Good task, reminders. Oh boy, I've done all of these things. Now, if you ask me what I'm doing today, I'm, I'm bullet journaling. I've learned in case of emergency, break glass and grab notebook here is kind of my permanent state at this moment because I'm always doing way more than I should. And the only way that I can see that is by looking at it on a piece of paper and then writing next to it. You're doing too damn much. Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. But I will say... I think I'm done with this obsession to to ink out every iota of productivity from my life. And I feel sad because I know that with that, there's a lot of people that will that I used to follow all the time to get their opinions on the latest and greatest of apps, the latest and greatest of tools. I think 
it's amazing that there are people that make a career, people that I enjoy talking to, people that are sincerely who I would call friends, that make a career out of helping people be better. I wanted to be one of those people. I've coached people before. It's I've done my best to help them and it has worked until it doesn't. So what am I doing now? Honestly, I'm just doing. People might ask, do you have goals? Yeah, sure. I've got goals. My goal is to not get fired and watch my daughter graduate. So far, I'm doing good on both of those. Well, my daughter's too. You know, I don't have to worry too much about her graduating anytime soon, but I'm spending time with her. I'm spending time with my family. I'm trying to keep track of my finances. I'm trying to make sure that I'm performing well at work. And I'm picking up habits that I think are fun and that I'm doing mostly just because I want to, not because it's going to make me more productive. I just spent $60 on a 30, I think it's a 64 by 32 matrix panel, a Raspberry Pi Zero, and a battery for it to make a now recording sign for when I record so that I can hook it up via automation. Is it a productivity hack? I don't know. I don't care. I've always wanted a now recording light and now I have one. In fact, I have a light that can tell me whatever I want it to tell me. I can have it update every five seconds, every minute. I can have it do whatever I want it to. But it's a baby computer. It's not this key to some lost treasure of productivity. I'm kind of upset right now because I went to buy antiproductivity.com and someone snatched it out from under me literally in a day. I was going to buy it yesterday and it was gone or it was, it was available. And I said, no, I don't need it. And then I was going to get it today. And it was like, uh, now it's taken. Haven't had that feeling. Maybe I'll get anti-productivity.com. Nah, I'll just let it sit. If someone wants to buy it and transfer it to me, let me know. But as long as I can think of right now, probably not going to do it. But I am excited that I'm breaking up with the idea that I can be the most productive person in the world. And when we get back from this interview that I'm I'm about to introduce, I'm going to talk about some of the things that are important to me in the quote unquote productivity space that I'm not giving up. But let's jump into this conversation first. I'm about to jump in. Uh, coming up next is the conversation that I had back in the summer. Uh, this was a call. It was the first time I had met this person. And I was super excited. They were referred to be on the show by another guest. And I am so glad that they did. We talked about anime. We talked about teaching. We talked about a lot of things. And, and you're going to get the first half of that conversation here, the next half next week. But by all means, here it is. My conversation with developer advocate at Microsoft, sorry, 
Senior Cloud Advocate. I'm going to put some respect on her name. Senior Cloud Advocate, uh, if I can say it right, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft. The one Miss Jasmine Greenaway. On the line with me, she is a senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. When she's not doing that, you can catch her in Brooklyn. Um, I think there's like a phrase like we're Brooklyn at or something like that. I'm I'm from the South. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, but she's a co-organizer for Brooklyn JS. She is also a part-time lecturer, and she is the creator of what should have been called Project Roomba, because that was, in my opinion, the better name. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jasmine Greenaway. Jasmine, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good. And yeah, I'm going to just jump into it. So tell everybody real quick about Project Roomba, and I want to know why, because it seems like a problem that I have. But I just want to make sure that, like, I'm not feeling validated here in my problems. Mm, Project Roomba. So I honestly, if this is something that I built a few years ago, I honestly do not remember what it was. So you might have to um, (laughs) jog my memory. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I just had it. I had it in here and I should have kept the page up. Well, while I'm doing that, how about this? While I'm doing that, Mm -hmm. let everybody know a little bit more about you and what you're doing. Sure. Um, So um, I work at Microsoft as um, a cloud advocate, senior cloud advocate. Um, I have been at Microsoft for almost three years. um, And it honestly, Microsoft was my dream, my dream company that I wanted to work at. Um, My background has been in software development. I started off in .NET, I started, I started off with DB.NET and then um, moved on to C Sharp. So just being able to work at a company, at the company that created the language that I am the most proficient in was just, I felt very honored and very just fortunate to be there. Um, you know, I work with so many amazing people that I just, it just, I can like ask anybody, like I, there's somebody I know that I can ask like advice on, on a specific technology. And I, what I love about working with my team is that they're just so enthusiastic about it. But um, what I am enthusiastic about in terms of cloud advocacy um, and just developer advocacy in general is reaching out to the newer developers that are coming. Um, so those are that's not only university students, but that's you know boot camp students. That's students who are you know self guided, self learning. Um, so that's what I mostly focus on in um, at Microsoft right now. So a lot of that is, you know, mentoring at hackathons, talking to university students about um, career choices, doing things like uh, like coding projects, samples and things like that. And, um, you know, really, I'm really taking a liking to like breaking down basics um, for, for, for newcomers at this point in my career. You know, one of the things that I struggle with as someone who is, I say community taught because there's no way I learned all this by myself, Um, but was the idea of finding knowledge and content at where I was at. You know, I think that was that was always a challenge. And I mean, even now, like we were talking about before, like I'm, I'm working on, you know, picking up React and like doing more with that having been a programmer in Python for like seven years and then having messed with like, you know, 
just ES6 and like Vue.js and stuff. There's a lot of things that make sense, but then there's also a lot of things that just like blow my mind. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at right now. Um, I think that it's so important that we do have knowledge leaders and, and knowledge communicators that are like, okay, we're not going to talk about big O notation right now. Like we're not going to, mm-hmm. we're going to take it a little bit beyond, you know, iterating and, and doing composition and stuff like that. But maybe we don't go into this area. And I think that that's, that's something that I see a lot in, you know, a ton of the Microsoft content that's out there is that I love that it, it's friendly enough for the beginner, but it can also start to go deep without getting like, instant like you have to be a microsoft mvp to understand what's going on yeah yeah that's what i i really enjoy about um you know being at microsoft i find that you know they're just huge investment in docs um by the way if uh for those who are listening, um, Microsoft actually owns the docs.com domain. So if you go to docs.com, it'll actually take you to Microsoft Docs. Um, and I just really just love the like care and like work they put into making docs clear and understandable um, and just easy to actually to collaborate on. So if you see like a typo, there's like a little button you like a little GitHub button and you can go ahead and fix that typo and, you know, someone very nice on the other end of, or, you know, one of the contributors on that repo will, will be happy to merge your PR. So. Man, talk about like a, an epic first pull request. You'd be like, oh, what, what open source projects have you contributed to? Like, oh, well, you know, I, I did some stuff with Microsoft. I'm not going to go into too much detail, you know, <laughs> and just leave it at mm-hmm. that. I think, I think that can speak volumes for you, but. I want to know more. Oh, by the way, I did. I did find it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called. Pro, it was called um, Project Eater. Oh, my PowerShell script. Yes. Oh gosh, yeah. Project Roomba would have been great. Um, so, the story behind that is is um, uh, before Microsoft, I was at GitHub. And I was on um, this team that was working on a Visual Studio extension um, that was supposed to integrate with GitHub. So essentially, um, you wouldn't have to go to GitHub every time you need to do some of those uh, collaboration features. So like you can make a PR within uh, Visual Studio. Um, And I was, um, in comparison with other developers, I was pretty, they were pretty like very senior. And so there were a lot of things that I had to like, some concepts I had to like as like things like reactive extensions that I had to like do on a separate project and kind of just understand myself, things like async await also um, as well, things like that um, um, that were integral to the project and that I just need to understand a little better. So I would make these separate projects and for um, those who have never used visual studio by default, it'll create um, um, when you create a new project, first you create a new solution and then it creates the project and, um, the you know, these files that pretty much tell it like a uh, dictate what like files or like what specific um, C sharp files or whatever language files um, are inside of your project. And so if you continue to create these projects and like these solutions and never open them, and I'm sure a lot of other developers have this too, where they do many get in it's in like a directory or somewhere and they just forget about, forget about it. Um, the equivalent in visual studio is in your documents folder on windows. You have all these 
solutions. So it's like solution one, two, three, or console app one, two, three, four. And so that is what I had in my, in my, um, in my documents folder. So I was like, I could delete all of these one by one, or I could try and get fancy and make a little script. So that's what I did. Um, and I had like a, so much fun with PowerShell. I had been doing like little things here and there, like moving files, just, um, um, especially as someone who has, um, spent a lot of time working in Visual Studio before actually developing, um, doing extension development. Um, I found that um, I, it was a little bit of a learning curve for me to get, get into the command line because, you know, a lot of, um, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure that a lot of uh, VS or Visual Studio folks who, um, or folks who use Visual Studio a lot um, or have used it at least since I have been using it since, you know, Visual Studio 2008, um, you're just so used to doing everything in this IDE. So, so um, when I got to GitHub, I actually honestly didn't even do much Git at that point. Um, I was like perforce, uh, subversion all the way. Um, so I came to GitHub and used Git. And I was definitely one of those people who asked if GitHub used GitHub um, for, for their development. And the answer is yes, they do. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so yeah that's really how the project came to be and you know that's really it really um uh was really uh helpful in me understanding powershell and so now I've, I've gone on to do other things like i have a little thing um that like unzip like uh when i teach and i need to grade some papers i need to download them i can unzip the files and anonymize them and send them to a grader so like little things like that um make my life a little easier so now i have to to take that segue that you just put in there so so perfectly i want to know like the teaching side of things how how has you know a career in software development and now cloud advocacy helped in being a teacher like what ways was it like i never thought that i would be doing this while i'm teaching people but hey, thanks for you know the the knowledge from GitHub or the knowledge from Microsoft that let me do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly, I've always I've done like you know mentoring and things like that, and um, the opportunity to teach kind of came um, just from like folks in the community, like folks were reaching out, and um, I was like, this is you know I just want this is a challenge that. Um, I just want to take on. I just, I find that, especially as, you know, somebody who, you know, kind of took that traditional route, got a CS degree, um, that I learned a lot more in, in, you know, my, in my work during, you know, in my career, I wouldn't say learn more, but I would say that the things, the things that I carry with my, with me now as a developer and, you know, as somebody just in the tech industry, um, a lot of that came from my career. I mean, I do remember big O notation, but do I use it every day? I, do I use it ever? No. But, um, you know, I think it's important to be able to bridge that gap between, you know, someone who's learning it versus somebody who um, just knowing where to apply it in, um, in, in the real world. And so for me, when, you know, I had this opportunity, I was like, I want to be able to have students understand like why why am I doing this? Why why is this important? 
So um, that was like really my main motivation. And from there, um, you know, my first semester was, you know, it was good, but like there was definitely some improvements and I realized, okay, I need to slow things down. I felt, I, I think I had like half developer brain, half teacher brain where I was just like, oh, I'm like talking to developers and no, I'm talking to folks who, you know, you know, at this point, no HTML and CSS. So like um, the class I teach is, um, it's mostly JavaScript. And so, you know, they know HTML and CSS, but, you know, the elements of, you know, the other elements of programming, like, um, like conditions and things like that, um, you know, we need to like step through that more and break it down more. And, you know, also things like teaching a few hotkeys came in handy. You know, how do you use your text editor? How do you like really utilize it? How do you, you know, deal with your file directories? You know, do you remember do they remember what they learned the last semester or last year? Because, you know, my course is usually prerequisite for the HTML and CSS course. So it was a lot of like just putting myself in their shoes and, you know, and really observing and understanding how they how they work. Um, so um, when it came to when so so I started teaching when I was at GitHub and then I moved came up, came to Microsoft. And yeah, it, like that knowledge was just so just so useful. So before, so um, the advocacy team is um, like a little bit over three years old at this point. So the team was fairly new when I joined and we didn't have like a, ad, um, a academic advocacy audience really at that point. We were all like kind of focused on technology. Um, so when we did, um, you know, move to audience-based teams, I was yeah, there for, um, there for the academic team. Um, but the skills that I, you know, brought with me um, from teaching was really helpful in workshops of at all kinds. It made I think what one thing that was the most the, the part that was most illuminating to me was that, um, or at least the skill that I picked up was learning how to speak to different audiences from beginners to like advanced um, advanced devs, and also, um, and you know, and that wasn't the that wasn't the challenge. The real challenge was like, how do I, you know, reach an audience of all types of different skill levels? Um, and, you know, that's, and, you know, that kind of, I, for me, that kind of changes um, from audience to audience. You know, I think it's really important to like, get to, get an understanding of not only the numbers, but also like, you know, what the skill level of your audience is. Also, even cultural background. If I'm going to go teach you know, a workshop that I taught at, you know, maybe a university or like, you know, at, at a, a CUNY school in New York um, and, you know, of a, a group of, you know, uh, newer devs or even, or uh, who knows. Um, but if I take, I, don't, I wouldn't want to take that same content and um, assume that maybe folks, I don't know, in, I don't know, Norway, um, are going to be able to, um, or actually, yeah, I guess Norway, or, or even like a country where like, um, where English isn't like uh, the national language, or like our first language, like how, you know, um, things like mannerisms, those things are like really important to me. And, you know, um, being able to communicate um, is like, yeah, just a very, also an important piece, not only the content, but just to be able to connect and communicate with, you know, your audience is important. So I think it just all goes, comes together. So, you know, so when it comes to, so, and I, I think I learned that definitely from, from teaching because of, um, 
because I just like really made sure to observe my audience or my students. And, um, you know, I started to realize they love memes. So I started incorporating memes in my, you know, my, um, my homework and stuff like that. And, you know, they like, they under like started to understand, you know, and, they, and it, like, cause it was fun and they, they got into it. So, so yeah. You know, one of the things that, that I, I love with that is that a lot of advocates now are embracing culture as a way to educate. And I, I think that that's, that to me is important. Like people are more willing to accept the content, more willing to embrace it and, and want to learn it when it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that that was one of the, the things that I struggled with a lot. You know, for me, it's just like, how do I make this interesting to me? How do I pick up projects that I want to learn? Because everyone is like, oh, build a blog, build a tic-tac-toe app, build a task manager. And you're like, I want to build something that has to do with like podcasting. Or I want to build something that's going to help me with, you know, transcriptions or something like that. And by by making it hyper-specific to what I am interested in, it added so much weight, so much value to the idea of learning. So that said, I have the benefit of being able to see like background and stuff and all this stuff. I want to know how much gaming comes in to some of the stuff that you do, because I know that you have like literally on GitHub, it's pinned. It's like the animal crossing music extension. (laughs) And I will say it was, it was made before animal, the new, Animal Crossing came out. So you're, you're one of the OGs. And I also see some Persona 5 stuff in there as well. So you know, <laughs> I, I want to know, like, how does Jasmine, the, the gamer, come out when she's teaching some of this stuff? Oh, man. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important, um, especially in um, a structural structured setting, like a classroom, to have some sort of just, like, gamification or just like making you know these assignments like a game but like also the challenge with that is like I'm not going to you know bring in you know the phaser library or the babylon js library these libraries that you know like you know that's like something we haven't even covered yet you know in 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 the course it's something that we covered you know probably toward the end if we if we do um so it's yeah it's really it's, yeah, it takes, uh, honestly, it takes um, a lot of, yeah, thought for me to, like, make it interesting. Um, but I, the like I was mentioning before, I think one of the ways that I do that now is just thinking about, you know, just putting my, myself in, you know, the shoes of, you know, my, stu- my students. Um, you know, I know that, I know that when I start teaching again, I'm probably going to think about, like, what can I do with TikTok? You know, how can we, you know, how can we incorporate that into, like, a lesson, you know, um, uh, and things like that. Um, But I think, I mean, the end result for me or the the end goal for me is, you know, two things, to learn something and to really have fun learning. Um, um, Because I... I just, um, yeah, I, I just find it, it sometimes it's challenging and challenging to make it interesting for everybody. Um, 
So um, that's why I do side projects like, you know, the Animal Crossing extension and things like that, because I think it really starts with me. It really starts, you know, really, it's really important for me to understand what feeds me, what makes me excited about, you know, opening, you know, my IDE and, and, um, and doing something. So, um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think I really have a, a good answer, but I think, I think one of the things that I always think about is just like, okay, so there's this thing that I want to build, but what next? What can, what else can I do? What else can I, you know, you know, what else can I, I build on? You know, how can I build on this, you know, this one example and make it even cooler? So, you know, right now I'm doing some more stuff at browser extensions, you know, um, the new Chromium Edge came out um, recently. And so I'm like, and um, one thing I noticed is that you can actually use Chrome extensions in Edge. Um, so I've been, you know, playing around, um, I've actually been using edge a lot more after I found that out. Um, so I've been playing around with that. And right now I'm actually, I know I, I mentioned I was, I unplugged my little, um, IOT device here because I was trying to like figure out how to like incorporate that into an extension, you know, like I already had figured out how to get a chat bot to like send like a message into my little extension. Like, how do I do the IOT? You know, like, what else can you do? So that's kind of how I, um, that's how kind of how I like think about it now. It's just like, what else can I do? What else will, will draw them in? You know, what, what is it about them and, you know, or me or, you know, their personality, something that they would be, that, that they would like to share. All right. That was my interview with Jasmine Greenaway. Thank you so much. Uh, Jasmine, by the way, like I said, this is only half the conversation. The next half will be out next week. And of course, as always, you can get the full conversation, including the after show, by signing up for the after show feed, the bonus feed. By the way, I keep telling people this is not a thing you got to pay for. It is 100% free. It is not ad supported or anything supported like that. Again, the idea was there were people that liked it one way, people that didn't like it another way. And ultimately, I said, watch, I'm going to do me. And if you want the old way, here you go. But also, I don't want to edit it. <laughs> so here you are. And and that is that is why you get that. But before the conversation, I was waxing poetic about how I think I'm done with trying to be my most productive self. I think this is something that has really dealt me a kind of a major blow. And the way I got to it was by understanding that with imperfection, there are advantages. Now, I could talk about how the whole wabi-sabi thing and the whole, you know, there's beauty in the imperfections of things. And and I wholeheartedly believe in that. But I'm just going to share with you some of the things that I've realized. You know what's better than an organized collection of all of your knowledge? Being able to find what you're looking for. In all honesty... I, I remember as a kid, there were, I mean, we all knew it, like the card catalog system. You'd have to go in and everything had a number and a key to it. And you go and you go into the, 
the Dewey Decimal System in the card catalog, and you had to pull out a physical index card or a physical card that had all this information on it as to where uh, you could find a book, what stack it was on, what floor it was on. I went to the University of Tennessee library a lot. So you had to like literally go to like floor six to find certain, you know, material or, or whatever. Like if you're looking for tech books or math books or something like that, you have to go to the nerd section. So yeah, it, I physically remember that. And I was thinking to myself, wow, this is so organized. It's beautiful. But eventually I just remembered where the books were and just enjoyed walking around looking for something different. And that's what I mean. I I don't think that there's a problem with wanting to organize and store things. In terms of of tools like OmniFocus or Evernote or Notion or cough cough Rome research I don't I don't want the I don't want the Roman legion coming after me but the the thing that makes these tools powerful isn't the ability to hot link things and jump from this point to this point and that point to that point it is the feeling that is generated when you find the thing that you're looking for And honestly, all they're doing is coming up with new ways to help you find the thing you were looking for. When in reality, there's value in just going to the dang section where the stuff is and hunting. I miss fishing. The thing I loved about fishing that was so amazing was that you could go to the exact same spot three days in a row and every day could be different. One day you could be hot. You're catching. It's nonstop. Everything's going great. The next day you get a couple bites, but ultimately you're just out there. You got the sun on your neck. You know, you're messing with minnows and worms and, and oh, you know, it's, it's a quiet time for you to do whatever you do whenever it's quiet. And then some days you go in and it's just completely dead. But the thing that made fishing fun was you never knew what to expect. At least creek fishing. I, I'm I'm a southern kid, so I mean we went fishing in a creek. You know, you go fishing on a lake, on the river, or something like that. That's fine. But we weren't out in a boat. We weren't going on these deep sea fishing trips where they promise you you're going to catch fifty pounds of whatever for a thousand dollars or whatever. It was you know you take. You rod your reel, you hop in your car, you drive out to a lake, you go out there and you just sit there for a few hours. And you're just there with your thoughts or you're there with a friend. Some days were great, some days weren't. Honestly, one of the most productivity challenging things that I've done in the last several months was I finished an entire notebook and then I went through it. 187 pages cataloging what I've done for the last five, six months, making sure that I didn't drop anything, not knowing what's going to be on the next page 
seeing how I've done absolutely wonderful some days and absolutely terrible on other days, having that collection. And when my ADHD brain was running and all I wanted to do was go through and add Todoist or add OmniFocus to my computer and start brain dumping everything in there. Sure, it's great that you'll be able to to get everything and be safe and, and know, know exactly what you need to do and how you can do it. But will you ever go back and look and remember the mental gymnastics you used to put yourself through just to justify doing something? I don't think so. But I can do that with a notebook. In fact, I've got notebooks from, I think, going all the way back to somewhere. I've got a green monster here from, you know, 2010. From when I was in the military overseas, wanting to get something done, probably writing about how I need to be storing everything in Evernote. Now, am I saying that I'm completely done with technology forever and I'll never use it ever again and I'm going to be the the person whittling on a front porch with a notebook next to me and drawing what I've whittled? No, of course not. But I'm not going to take so much stock in why tool X is better than tool Y. And if I really feel like I want something that isn't out there, that isn't exactly what I'm looking for, I'll just try to build it. Because why not? I mean, honestly, if it's not out there, I can't do anything worse, right? Other than learn, other than go fishing for a solution. But more than anything, I will grow to love the art of doing what I'm doing. Not trying to min-max it, not trying to optimize it for perfection, but ultimately just trying to come to a natural point where I feel like I'm doing all right. Well, hey, that's going to wrap up this week's conversation. I want to thank a, a few folks. Uh, one, Brett Terpstra. One for, you know, a couple of things. First, he brought me on his podcast, which is absolutely a dream come true. I've always wanted to be on Brett's show. Brett is one of those people that I feel has the superpower of just being unapod- unapologetically out of this world. You know, in some ways, he's crazy, and it's a good thing. In some ways, he's caring and compassionate, and it's a good thing. And in some ways, he just has so much passion that it makes no sense why he builds and does some of the things that he does. And it's a good thing. Another person I want to give a shout-out to is uh, my good friend, Clay Russell, Colin Gold, over at the Tech Talk Podcast. That's another show that I do. Audio quality not as good because, you know, we just get up there and do the thing, throw it up on Skype and talk. Honestly, I don't think the show would get out if we tried to do it any other way. Trust me, I've tried. But I'm really excited for some of the things that we've been talking about lately. We've been talking about a lot of bullet journaling. Um, I've convinced Colin to, to jump on the bullet journal train and um, he's loving it. And 
uh, or not, yeah, Colin and Clay is just, uh, no one knows what Clay's up to. Clay's just being Clay. Clay's found a solution for him that works, so I'm happy for him. And, uh, but I wanted to thank them because that's where this conversation came from. There was an idea of how do I make my paperless system better? How do I make the management of paper, you know, dealing with paper and making paperless? And I know that, uh, David Spark, someone else that's going to be on the show, uh, coming soon, uh, did an entire course on paperless and I think he's redoing it now. But, I simply answered his question on how to make a, a better paperless system by saying, well, first of all, start with not accepting paper. <laughs> you know, that's that's probably the best way to go. And and honestly, that sparked something in me of this idea of, you know what? We spend all this time and energy focusing on how we can be perfect when we could just be living and I enjoy living a little bit more than being perfect. In fact, I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it earlier. That that whole idea of wabi sabi, the beauty of the beauty that's in the imperfection. Sometimes not being perfect is more fun. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much. Thank you to my guest Jasmine Greenaway. Be sure to go check out everything that she's doing. Over at uh, Microsoft, you can check out their Channel 9 if that's your thing, if you're a developer. If you're not, eh, maybe you want to be. You know, Check it out anyway. But be sure to, to keep an eye out, kjaymiller.com, for all the things that I'm doing. I'm actually redesigning the website, so it might be butt ugly right now, but that's okay. Um, make sure that you are keeping up with stuff. I've got a lot of things in the works moving at the speed of snail right now, but I promise you uh, some things are going to get announced. Some things are going to be dropped. Nothing is going to be so earth shattering. In fact, I'll tell you now, one of the things that I am doing, I think I've already mentioned once the uh, buy pocket developer advocates, awesome list. It is literally a list of people of color that are developer advocates like me so that I can meet some people that are like me doing things that I like to do and figuring out how we can help all the folks out there that are trying to do something similar. So yeah, that's one of the many things that I've got going on. Again, kjaymiller.com, kjaymiller on Twitter, LinkedIn, all those things. If you want to follow me, sure, go right ahead. You're going to hear me rant and ramble on more than a <laughs> weekly basis. But that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I've been Jay Miller. I'll talk to you later. I don't even care if we were productive or not. 